Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. He knew his audience and they knew him. Look at me with verse 3. He uses words like beloved. In verse 5, he he uses a phrase, but I want to remind you, though you once knew this. That doesn't sound like a stranger. These are people that he knew. In verse 12, these are spots in your love feast, these apostates. So he's talking to them very intimately, and he knew his audience. They knew him. And in Jude chapter 7, or verse 17, he says, Beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own lust. He knew who he was speaking to. He knew why he needed to speak to them. Welcome, everyone, to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Truth in Christ Radio with Pastor Rob Kellogg. Today, Pastor Rob continues our study in the Epistle of Jude. The letter of Jude is essentially a sermon. In it, Jude preaches against the dangerous practices and doctrines that put the gospel of Jesus Christ in peril. What might have only been a letter from a Christian leader to a particular church instead became a precious instrument inspired by the Holy Spirit and valuable as a warning in these last days. Now let's open our Bibles to the book of Jude and follow along with Pastor Rob. That was sinful. If they saw him doing strange things, disobeying Mary and Joseph and doing his own thing, do you understand they would have every right to say, This man's a phony. I grew up with him. I saw him with the spitballs and the straw at church in the synagogue. He hit the rabbi right between the eye with that thing. (laughs) Joshua, sit down. Because that was his name, Joshua. That's what his mother and father called him. Jehovah Shua, God's salvation. But no, that didn't happen. The eureka moment came after the resurrection, after the ascension, and they're standing there, and they're putting the pieces together. They're looking back in the scriptures. Jude, James, all of them, they're they're looking at this, and his other two brothers, they're looking at these things, and they're going, oh my goodness. What the prophets have said for hundreds of years has come to pass in our time. And they bowed their knee. They bowed their knee. Have you bowed your knee? To Jesus Christ? If you haven't, he's the greatest master you'll ever have. He's not a taskmaster. He's not interested so much in what you do for him. He wants you. He wants you. He loves you. He wants to have the relationship with you. He loves you. He loves you so much that he proved it on the cross. He stretched out his hands. He says, I love you this much. And if I could put my arms around back, but physical bones don't allow that, I would do it. But that's how much I love you. Do you know you're loved by God this morning? 
And especially you, Christian, who have been serving and, 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 and with the Lord for many years. Do you find yourself after many years kind of slipping into this thing where you're like, you know what, things are just kind of on cruise control, they're kind of on autopilot, and you find yourself just kind of coasting? Do you know that he still loves you, even though you don't feel very holy, even though you don't feel like you're really doing anything for him? Do you know that he loves you right now where you're at? He doesn't expect you to do things to to please him. He's already pleased with you. And see, there's where our worship comes in, because when we think about what he has done for us, what he's done for me, as a result of what he did, I mean, think about it. Eternity, I'm way off point, but I'm going with it. Uh, Think about what he's done for us. I mean, he saved me, saved you from an eternity in hell. Do you understand? Hell is a real place. People don't like to talk about hell. Jesus spoke about hell more than anybody else, and it is a real place. But you must come to God on his terms. And are his terms so hard? Is it so difficult? We have to deny ourselves and believe everything he said. Is it that hard? The Bible says if you confess the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart, you will be saved, that he died on the cross for you. Do you believe that? If you believe that, you're born again. But don't stop there. You keep digging. You keep praying. You keep getting into fellowship and grow in this wonderful relationship that God has. And see, if you've been coasting and you've been getting lazy and you're no longer reading your Bible, you're not going to feel very encouraged. You're not going to feel really excited. But the message today is contend. Contend for the faith. Fight the good fight. Don't allow yourself to get into that place where you're just resting on your laurels, where you're resting on past victories, past things, maybe even past commitments that you've made to the Lord. Don't rest on any of that stuff. Rest, don't rest in Christ, but act today in your heart. Don't put it off. If you're already a Christian, praise the Lord, but get in the battle. Get into your, into the Word. Get into fellowship. Get into serving Him. Get going. But first, set at his feet. (laughs) Set at his feet. He's not, again, he's not so much concerned about what you do for him. He's more concerned about what you allow him to do in you. Will you allow him to satiate every desire in your being? Everything. Have you given everything to him? Let me tell you, the closer we get to that point of full surrender, the greater and the more happy and fulfilled you will be as a human being. And that is the secret that very few people know. It's a secret that I'm learning, and I'm nowhere near there yet, but I'm getting there. I want to get there as soon as humanly possible, but that is the secret. It's denial of self and giving my life away, and I'll find that my life will be more fulfilled. And he's not going to send you off to the missionary field somewhere in the in the in in Africa where you, where you hate to be, where you don't want to be. He knows you. He's got a plan for your life. Is he going to do something to make, that you're going to hate? No, he's going to change your heart little by little, and then you're going to find yourself in the middle of his will, and you're going to feel like the most blessed person in the world. You're going to feel like, Lord, if I could pay you to do what I'm doing, I would do it, but I don't have to pay you. It's kind of the way I feel. I love doing what I get to do. If I had, if I had to, if I didn't have to live and, you know, and have a, you know, pay for bills and things like that, I'd do it for nothing. What a great vocation for all of us to be Christ ambassadors. And so the book of Jude, he gets into this idea of um, apostates and the war and the declaration of war against apostates and the outcome of apostates, denouncing them and defending against apostates. 
And let's just get right into first, the first verse. It says, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. So Jude, he wrote the letter. And he could have said, Jude, a brother of Jesus Christ, and somehow made uh, the stamp of approval on his book that he's going to write, and the New York Times is going to pick it up. You know, they would have picked it up a lot quicker if he'd have said Jesus Christ's brother. But no, he says, you know what? More than anything, more than I'm just his half-brother, I'm a bond servant. I'm a bond servant. And, and that's the, the temptation that any one of us could have had. We could have write the letter. We could have done the salutation a lot different. Jude, the brother, the half-brother of Jesus, who knew him for 33 years, who saw him, who worked with him, But notice this letter, the language in the letter. It's very evident that Jude, he knew his audience and they knew him. Look at me with verse 3. He uses words like beloved. In verse 5, he he uses a phrase, but I want to remind you, though you once knew this. That doesn't sound like a stranger. These are people that he knew. In verse 12, these are spots in your love feast, these apostates. So he's talking to them very intimately, and he knew his audience. They knew him. And in Jude chapter seven or verse 17, he says, Beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own lust. He knew who he was speaking to. He knew why he needed to speak to them. And he called himself, notice, a bondservant. A bondservant is, in the Hebrew, it's called a, or I'm sorry, in the Greek, it's called a doulos. A doulos is somebody who willingly puts themselves under the tutelage of someone to benefit them and to, and for, for, the, for the furtherance of the gospel. That's what a doulos is. Somebody who gives up their own regard and they give up their own interest to serve someone else, to serve someone else. And we see this in Paul's letters, in Romans 1, verse 1, in Galatians 1, verse 10, in Titus 1, verse 1, in James, the very first verse, in Peter, Second Peter 1, verse 1, and here in Jude, and many other places, this phrase bondservant is used. I'm a bondservant. I'm not so much concerned about my own will being done, but thy will be done. And there is another secret. Thy will be done. Lord, get me into the place where I'm doing your will and not just my will. Believe me, I had a will for my life. And at 24 years of age, the Lord put a fork in the road for me. I was going in a certain direction. I had a plan for my life. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And thank God he interrupted me and set me in a whole different path couldn't have known it, didn't see it coming, didn't invite it, didn't ask for it. I'm so thankful. He knew me, and he knew he had a plan for me. He has a plan for you. We're all the same. None of us are different in that regard. He loves you. He has a plan. Do you know what his plan is? Are you you desiring to know what his plan is? Are you a bondservant of Jesus Christ? Regardless of your age, do you know it, it's not too late to be a bondservant of Jesus Christ? To, you know, uh, to give up all, all that, you know, you don't have to give up your money. You don't have to give up your house. You don't have to give up your possessions. You don't have to give up anything. Be devoted to Him and let Him guide you. Serve Him in whatever capacity. Serve Him within the church. Serve Him outside of the church. Serve Him in some way. You gotta serve Somebody. Isn't that what the, the song that, uh, uh, Bob Dylan sung back in 1979? Let me read the lyrics to you. You may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You may like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil, 
or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. And it's true. You're going to have to serve somebody. You're going to be the doulos to the world, or you're going to be a doulos to Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, the world is a hard taskmaster, and the world will eat you and spit you out. It'll chew you up and spit you out. There's one who will never do that to you. There's one who sees your life as more valuable to him than anything else the world could ever see. Even if you have no skills whatsoever, you are more valuable to God. And if you were the only person on the earth when Jesus came, he would have said, I will die just for you alone. Do you know that? Because we were hopeless, helpless without him. He is the great hero. (laughs) Comic books don't have, there's no comic books on Jesus, is there? It's all the external stuff, the Luferigno and the green skin and breaking the shirt like I'm doing now, you know, just kind of, you know, flexing my muscles and my shirt separating at the seams, the very fibers, the, the tightly knit linen just coming apart. No, but are you a bondservant? In Exodus chapter 21, this is the law concerning bondservants. Let me read it to you. It says, now these, uh, Exodus 21, verses 1 through 6. Now these are the judgments which you shall set before them, God speaking to, to Moses. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve six years. And in the seventh year, he shall go out free and pay nothing. And if he comes in by himself, he shall also, at the end of those six years, he'll go out by himself. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him at the end of that six years. If his master has given him a wife and she has borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children come shall be her masters and he shall go out by himself. But if the servant says plainly, plainly, verse 5, I love my master, I love my wife, I love my children and I will not go out free, then his master shall bring him to the judges and he shall also bring him to the door and to the doorpost and the master shall pierce his ear with an awl. And he shall serve him forever. And all is just a little piece of metal. And they'd take your ear and stick it up next to the doorpost. And with a little thing, they would just tap it and then put that gold ring or that gold awl in your, in your ear. And that was, that was a, a symbol that you're a servant by your own will. You're going to serve the master for the rest of your life. He's treated you well. And you're going to serve him. Is he, is he a good Lord to you? Let me ask you that. Has he really, has he ever disappointed you? Certainly he hasn't always been on time from your perspective, right? Oftentimes he waits till the 11th hour, sometimes 11.59 and 59 seconds. I've seen that happen so many times. And is God upset about that? No, but what happens in the process of that waiting and you're right to the edge and you're like, man, if he doesn't come through today, I'm pulling out the gold card. Gonna pull out the credit card. I'm just gonna do it. Gonna put it on credit. I don't have it. I can't even pay for it, but I'm gonna put it on credit because if it doesn't happen today, that's what I'm doing. And then at the very last second, you get a phone call. Hey, Joe, how you doing? Yeah, I got a new, uh, refrigerator. I heard that yours died. Yeah, we just got this brand new one, but they, they double ordered one. They sent it and they said, don't worry about sending it back. So I thought, hey, you want it? No, I really don't. I'm gonna go pay for it on a credit card. Thank you with high interest. See you in debtor's jail. <laughs> no. He, and, the, and the waiting, that's where the process, that's where the good stuff happens. That's where he works in us. So are you a bondservant? Are you a bondservant? You know, let this mind be in us. God wants us to be like that. He wants to be, for us to be like a, a bondservant. In Philippians 2, verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you. 
which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Jesus Christ is equal with God. But he made himself, verse 7, here it is, of no reputation, taking the form of what? A bondservant, a doulos. That's what we've been talking about. Jesus became the doulos. Remember in the garden? Not my will, but your will be done. If there's any other way for this to, for the salvation of man to occur, Lord, let it go or, or make it happen. But nonetheless, isn't that what he said in the Garden of Gethsemane? But nonetheless, not my will, but your will be done. And he knew that was the only way. And he submitted himself. Isn't that what it says? He made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross, which is one of the worst forms of capital punishment the world has ever invented the worst form of punishment. It'd be so much easier just to shoot the person, to run them through with a sword and get it over with. Ah, but the crucifixion, boy, the the Romans really knew how to do that. They could keep somebody alive for days, and they would beg for death before they would end it. That's how excruciating it was. And Jesus took that punishment for us, for us. And I think I'm going to include this verse in here, and then we're going to move on here. In 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 13, it's very applicable to us today, especially with all the things that we see going on in our, in our world. It says, therefore, Peter says to the church, he said, therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. Isn't that what happened recently with the, um, you know, you read, you combine this with Romans chapter 13, these governments, these things that are in place, God has put them in place to slow down the spread of sin, to come against evildoers. Isn't that what happened even in our own country with Soleimani? Qasem Soleimani, the one who had killed a number, hundreds of Americans who was responsible for the U.S. Embassy in Iraq to be uh, destroyed and many other atrocities that he has done. And finally, this murderer was taken out. And God placed our government in that place to do those kinds of things. But notice, for this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice. Notice, but as bondservants of God, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. That means submit yourself to the authorities that are over us. And we do that as long as they don't tell us to do things that are contrary to what God tells us to do. We may not like them. They may be uh, stringent upon us, but we obey them until they say things like, you have to kill your child. Then we can say, no, not going to do that. I'm going to obey God. You get my point? So learn to be a bondservant. Learn to be a bondservant. Notice he says, to those who are called and sanctified, Somebody who is appointed, that's literally what the word means, and sanctified, to make holy, to be purified, to consecrate, to hallow, to be separated from evil and to be separated and, 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 um, and dedicated to God. Do you see the difference? That's what sanctification is. It's sanctification, it's separating from something that's evil, that's not good, and devoting it and dedicating it to God. That is what sanctification is, to be sanctified, to be separated from and dedicated to. That's why we dedicated Ivy this morning. 
We dedicated her to Jesus. The world cannot have a hold of her. Cannot. And may the Lord get a hold of her life at an early age. But notice that we're called, uh, sanctified by God the Father, preserved in Jesus Christ. The idea here is guarded. We're, we're uh, to keep from loss or injury, to keep an eye upon, to preserve, to attend carefully to. And see, that's what Jesus does for each of us. He is looking out for you. Do you know that? He's got an eye out for you. He's got an eye. And then finally, verse 2, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Mercy. Mercy is such a wonderful word. It's giving to somebody, uh, withholding something that somebody does deserve. And see, by God showing us mercy, he placed on his son something that we deserve, the death of man. Eternal death. We deserve that. But in God's mercy, he withheld from us that punishment and placed it rather upon his son, Jesus Christ. That is the ultimate form of mercy, withholding something that is deserved. And peace, certainly peace. You'll know the peace of God. Peace from harm, peace from difficulty, or, or, or I'm sorry, peace from uh, physical safety, uh, havoc and war, and also peace of soul, knowing that you belong to Christ. Isn't there a peace that passes all understanding when you're a believer? And love. Notice, this is agape love. This is benevolent love. This is love that doesn't care about its own. It's rather more concerned about giving up for others. That is what real benevolent love is. That's the highest form of love. Greater love has no man than this, than that he lay down his life for his friends. And whatever that means, that is more of the area, more of the idea of agape love. Because that's what Jesus demonstrated for us on the cross. He, that's what he did. And he goes on in verse 3 and he says, Beloved, I was, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you, here it is, to contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered to all his saints. To all his saints. To contend, it means to, to fight, to struggle. The, the, one of the root words in this word is, uh, is, a, is a Greek word that literally means to struggle, to compete for a prize. It's like two gymnasts striving together in, in, in some kind of Olympic game. It's like two boxers in the heavyweight championship. They're contending for the heavyweight belt. The belt is there before them, and they're pounding each other in that ring for that prize. They're, com- they're contending for each we're contending for that prize. And just like Jude is encouraging the believers of his day to contend for the faith, we need to as well. Because unlike any other time in history, our Christian faith and even physical churches are under attack. Do you remember that one that happened recently? Just talking about the physical building in, in, in uh, Texas recently. Remember that man came in and killed two people. And within six seconds, that FBI agent who was retired, who was on the security team, took that man out before he had a chance to harm anybody else. Ten years ago, we never heard anything like that. I forget what the date is, but it never really occurred. Thank God we have the Lord looking out for us, and we also have men trained here in this fellowship. They know what to do. But not only the physical building and the people, but also... Our faith itself, you know, Christian schools are under attack from liberal and local state administrators trying to force upon them their liberal ideas and ideologies, seeking to get laws passed that force not only private Christian schools, but also homeschoolers to be more dependent on them and whatever umbrella they can get them nicely tucked under. 
So many bills being passed by our governor right now. Pray for him. But Christians, Christian workers, Christian organizations, Chick-fil-A, I mean. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Jude. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcasts. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.